0: Are we ready to rage? We are ready. Hello, welcome back to Ready to Rage. I'm Sandy Scanlon. And I'm Ashley McCoy. And we're your girlies for fashion, pop culture, and feelings. Today, we are focusing in on a heavy topic. We are talking about, it's kind of like fast fashion in the environment part two, but we're focusing really closely in on one aspect of it. And I, it's a heavy topic and it's just a heavy day. We're coming off the day after the Texas shooting. I don't even know like where to start about that. that, like I just... I guess what I'm saying is the vibe is just really tough and heavy today, and I don't even know what to start raging about because it feels like nothing matters. It's just so sad, and I
1: um, I feel like not only we're coming off of that, like we were still reeling from the Buffalo shooting, and like yeah, there was even one the day after that. I just don't know as much about it because like I knew about the Buffalo one more. So, there are three. There were three match in the last, like, two weeks,
0: three weeks. I mean, there are so many that we don't hear about. But, obviously, when it's children, it's just another level of heartbreaking. But we don't have to talk about it. Like, you I don't really... I feel like, A, if I do, it'll, like, unleash a can of worms. And, B, like... Sorry, I have the sniffles. <laughs> B, <laughs> I... I'm not like an expert on this topic. I haven't like thoroughly researched. I mean, I have my opinions, but I just, I don't think that we want to get into it today. But I think it's worth mentioning because I just, I don't, I feel like it's wrong to just ignore it and act like it didn't happen. A hundred percent. I know that
1: there are organizations that I will put in the show notes to look at um, where to call your local um legislators to help pass bills that would help enforce gun control
0: yes um i we will definitely post that i was looking today and it's actually really easy to contact representatives and your senators like yes. a lot of people are like oh you have to call and if you're like me or probably ashley i don't want to speak for you but yeah, like, yeah. I, hate, I, I hate phone calls like <laughs> i'm like i care about this but like i really prefer strongly not to call anybody but you can just write Online, just write it's basically like an email forum, and um, yeah, it's equivalent to sending in a letter. So that is really easy, it will take five minutes of your time. I'm going to do that for sure. Let's post that. Um, yeah, yeah, you can also
1: go to every town research and policy, and it gives some information based on your state about. 2022 gun law rankings by state so if you want to know some more right. of that information it might help you feel more or less safe um but it's good to always stay informed
0: it's good to stay informed and stay active in your state and like sounds so corny but every voice matters because I feel like we all think oh it's not going to matter if I do anything but this issue is getting so bad like even something as small as taking five minutes to submit a letter like if everybody did that it would have such a profound impact so yeah yeah
1: and even if you think like oh well it's not helpful if i do it on my own just know that if everyone decided to do a little bit it would at the very least annoy the fuck out of your legislators yeah and like at the very least, if you feel like in your state wherever you are, if you feel like they're not helping you, know you're inconveniencing them at least a little bit. They're annoyed by you, which they should be because you should, it should be. be. Let them feel how upset you are. Because I'm gonna get too much, but they're obviously not that upset.
0: No, yeah, right. Like it's it's so hard to not dive into it, but I will say, um, I feel like a lot of people are like kind of, we all share on social media, right? We see, yeah, uh, thought leadership about the topic and like statistics and stuff like that. And some people will be like, oh, do more than sharing on social media, which I obviously agree with. But I will say, I do think social media does have a really strong impact. And I saw, um, you probably saw it, I shared it on my Instagram story. I had an infographic about like all the politicians who take, the most NRA money and like some of their old tweets about saying, like, any, you know, anybody should be able to buy a gun, like, even if they don't know how to use it, like, it's fine. And like, just like being aware of who says what and how they react when these things happen is kind of mind blowing.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I feel like it sucks that we even feel like we have to tiptoe around the issue. I feel like there shouldn't be any tiptoeing. It's just a bad thing. Obviously, it's not... The way that things are going, the the way that things are currently being run, it's not fucking working. And it shouldn't be a debate. Like, I feel like at the same time, we're having issues over women's rights and... It shouldn't be a debate. It's crazy. None of these things should be debates. It's literally always, like... It's human rights. And while we're watching... Children and the elderly being mowed down by white supremacists. We're also at the same time debating whether or not women have the right to like live and be healthy and have autonomy over their bodies. And it's like just really funny to me that we're arguing about these things, talking about, oh my God, the children using human life as talking points when human life is being lost in front of our eyes. And it's kind of like the legislators who fight the hardest to bring people into the world aren't doing a lot to help them stay in the world when they're here,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's it's the same people it's it's super, I don't know, I guess I felt really depressed all day because it's like it's not just this, there's so much going on, mm-hmm. and it feels it feels like so much is going backwards, that's I think what just sucks. It's like all these changes that were fought so hard for and there's like a group of old angry white dudes that want things to be like it's 1930 and it's like why do we still have to fight to constantly not roll things back it's ridiculous it
1: sucks and I'm it more than sucks I just don't know what else to say honestly I just like it's just it's ridiculous you know it's ridiculous and I feel like you know um supposedly is made up of people who
0: come here for a better life like I'm an immigrant and I feel like um take your time let us sit my mics Ashley's drinking a mic's hard to suppress her cough which is the only way to suppress a cough sponsor us <laughs> that would be so good if we got a
1: sponsor <laughs> I think
0: <laughs> mics are you pro lemonade sponsoring our ready to range uh politics rant yes Love it.
1: Um, what I was saying is, I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. My whole family were immigrants. And I feel like you are told, oh, you come to America for a better life. And here we are, fighting to live, man. Fighting every freaking day. And honestly, losing. That's crazy to me. Like, I could have stayed in my ass where I was.
0: And yeah. I might have been safer. The better life thing is really far behind us. And. Yeah, we have a better standard of living than some, some lot of, than some countries, but we're just, we're going in the wrong direction. And I don't know. It's just, it's giving. And cool. But the thing that is like every, the thing that really bothers me is that unless you're um, predominantly Native American, everybody's an immigrant. And I just don't, it frustrates me to hear like other white people who are who have European ancestry to be talking like everybody else is the problem. It's like your ancestors came here too. Why is it different? Because right. you're
1: white. Anyway I feel like um every time I think about it now because I saw someone talk about it, you can obviously cut this out. But um I saw this one person say like, you know, in other places they teach like you know how history's always taught like in two kind of ways, like both by both parties in europe they literally teach that like the puritans were religious extremists who were kicked out of their country for like trying to impose their views on everyone and i was like when you think of it that way it makes a lot more sense
0: uh i think you should keep that in because that makes perfect that like perfectly explains why we're still having the problems we do because of extreme religion people and white supremacy to mind people literally just control everybody else. And this was the country supposed to be founded on freedom and doing whatever you want as long as it doesn't harm anybody else and people are being harmed and there's nothing being done. And then there's people trying to mind their damn business and the same people flip out. So it makes no sense.
1: Doesn't even make any sense, like literally kids trying to go to school, people trying to go to the grocery store. Like it's honestly really scary. And if um if you're new here, I'm black. I'm a lady. (laughs) and I'm
0: scared, man. <laughs> so pray for us. Pray for me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry, guys. I keep sniffling really badly because it's pollen season. So I'm so sorry. Like, Please, it's probably only going to be this episode, so like, please don't hate us and leave us a bad review because of my sniffles. Don't leave us um, a bad
1: review. Leave us a good review. You love this show because we're intellectual baddies with allergies and lactose issues. We've got a bunch of stomach issues. Um, love us for that and that alone.
0: Yes. Speaking of issues, I mean, sorry guys, that wasn't a very peppy introduction, but no, we're not we're not peppy every day. Like, shit's going down, so it's fine. Um, but I am actually excited to distract ourselves with another doomsday topic that actually involves the whole world. So it's I so love thinking about the end of the world. <laughs> um. So if you guys have not listened to the podcast since our early days, one of our first few episodes is it episode three. I think it is episode three
1: it's called Sustainability World.
0: Yes. Episode three. Allegedly, it's our sustainability (laughs) bummer episode. So if you have not listened to that, that is kind of an overarching like fashion, climate and labor facts. It is also one of our first episodes. So we did have some sound issues. Again, apologies for that. But in that episode, we pretty much spit facts. So that is kind of like an introduction. Today, we are going to be zooming in a little bit and talking about the climate emergency there have been some really disturbing facts that have recently came out ashley and i were panicking and spiraling and we were like well we could do another episode about this and talk specifically about one brand and the brand we are zeroing in on this week is
1: Shein. if you listened to us before you know we don't fucking like this brand man i know i'm cussing (laughs) a lot today but we don't like this brand this brand is just something else it is the stuff of nightmares.
0: I actually um quickly just wanted to say, I'm really glad we're doing this today because I was talking with a friend at design school, and she actually got accepted. So she and does collaborations with small designers. and she got accepted to work with them, which is a really as much as like I hate she and it is a really cool opportunity because, yeah. It's like very friendly to new designers or people who aren't technically fashion designers, but maybe are in the industry. So you basically create a digital collection, send it to them, collaborate, go through tech packs. You get a 10% commission and then they like send you all the clothes and stuff. So as much as I hate them, I do think it's really cool to support small designers who are just starting out. And then my friend was like, we've been in a few classes together and she was like, you should do it. I definitely think you would get accepted. And I like thought, I was like, Ugh, but like, they're so bad for the environment. And I don't want to sell out and be a hypocrite. But then I was like, well, I am in school and I don't have all the resources. So I was kind of like mulling it over. But then the second we, I, we started researching for this episode, I was like, fuck that. I'm not collaborating with them. So I feel like it was good timing.
1: I feel like two things can be true at once because I totally agree. I do think that it's wonderful to give designers a platform. I personally would love a platform. Any sustainable brands who want to collaborate with me, hit my line, man.
0: Or if you want to collaborate with um, Ready to Rage.
1: Yes, for the podcast. Yes. um, We're always open to suggestions. Um, But yeah, like I feel like I would love that. And I do love that for other people. Two things can definitely be true at once. It can be a really bad brand for the environment or for the people who are physically making the clothes but it can also be a wonderful opportunity for someone who is not making a lot of money or is a young creative and he wants to get established like i'm sure that's a great thing to have on your resume i've also thought about it when i saw that was an opportunity i was like oh, i could definitely have stuff that like they would pick But yeah, I really feel like it's important to stick to your morals. And if this is something that is very important to you, then it's really important to stick to it and not to sell out to it. Like I'm not talking badly on people who have collaborated with them because yeah, not at all.
0: Like it's we both thought about about it.
1: Yeah, it's still a great opportunity. And if you feel like it's good for you, then you should do it. Um, But I had the same thought. I was like, that feels like a really awesome thing to do. But it's also It's impossible to be entirely sustainable with your clothing and with your like practices, but it's not the best thing to encourage it by like collaborating with them because you know that you're gonna influence everyone in your life and probably Mm -hmm. other people to shop there, and you know you don't really want that.
0: Well, it would be we're gonna talk about the Shein business model, but I was like, well, I could do it and really like encourage people like don't buy this stuff to throw it away after a season, like only buy it if you're really going to wear it. But then I'm like, it's probably, and again, like I can't, I have not really seen the physical clothes of like the independent designers. And I'm assuming it's probably, you probably have a little bit of quality control. Um, And like, I'm sure my friend who's doing it, like I told I was like, I'll definitely buy your stuff. Like she has really cool style. Like I'm really excited to see hers. But I was concerned as a, de- as a designer for myself when I was mulling it over that, would this be the best quality? Like, do I want to put my name on, is this the first thing I want to put out there and I want to do? So I don't know. I just, I'm not even the person with like the most hardcore morals in the world. And I don't know, something about Sheehan just kind of crosses the line for me. I don't know. It's just, it's so extreme. It's so extreme.
1: What was your first encounter with this brand? Like I, I feel like I was seeing it for a while before I actually like got an understanding of what it was. Do you have an idea?
0: I remember mine and you're going to laugh. Oh my God, tell my first recollection of Shein was Googling the brand to see if it was real and if your clothes would actually arrive or if it was a scam.
1: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I feel like that's solid. Like that's <laughs> something that I, we should all do. I don't always do that. Sometimes I just be putting my
0: card and stuff in places I shouldn't um i mean if you have to google it to see if it's real like you shouldn't buy it and no it was like people are like yeah it's real but it can take like a month plus to get your stuff it's coming from china and i was kind of like eh, and i didn't even really think about the environmental impacts because i was like i don't know probably 21 or 22 just like i'm gonna go to forever 21 instead um but i just shade d from the get-go
1: yeah so i feel like i had a really similar encounter first with them i remember seeing them when i was like on tumblr like in tumblr oh, ads oh my god a tumblr i loved tumblr Thank i feel you. like girls who listen to this podcast or not just girls but anyone who listens to this podcast girls gays and days all the girls gays and theys listening are also tumblr people i was a tumblr girl and I remember seeing it, like, in Tumblr ads and then, like, Pinterest ads and just seeing, like, like, what is that? And it just is everywhere. And I would always see, like, random ads for it everywhere. Is it, say, is it Shine? She in? Like, what is this?
0: I can't confirm that it's She in because yes. it was called, like, She Inspired. It was called something else. It was a wedding brand. It, I... it was supposed to be a cheap wedding dress brand in 2012 and then they rebranded as shein
1: but yeah i remember seeing like the stuff and i was like that looks like really cute and i remember thinking to myself that looks too cute to be actually that good because the prices they were advertising were so cheap that i was like there's no way it's gonna look like that when it comes
0: Mm -hmm. it always looks like shit literally I i have a friend who does buy stuff from there and i always tell them i'm like the people who made that aren't getting paid for it and it's true with all of our clothes to some extent like people aren't getting paid what they should but these people are it's the lowest wage possible without being slavery and in some cases even forced labor when you are getting paid can be considered slavery so it's never what it looks like in the picture like it looks like a garment that would cost maybe like one to two hundred dollars the fabric hangs better they have bbl models they they have the one thing they do have going for them is they have like a really big plus size selection but even then it's completely photoshopped and it's not flattering material
1: going into kind of some climate things as to why like we were both like freaking out Yes. 13,000 climate scientists say that we're living in a climate emergency right now. I'm on scientificamerican.com.
0: 13,000? Yes. it's very comforting, Ashley. it help, helps me sleep at night. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I mean, you can think of it as like the world is inspirational quote of
1: the day. The world is burning. So live life the way you want.
0: I guess. Like if you, if there's anybody you need to tell to F off, tell them to F off now. Literally. Yeah.
1: um so remember a few weeks ago on tiktok there were lots of videos talking about um climate scientists chaining themselves to chase bank even a few scientists who there weren't even that many there was like three of them who chained themselves to the doors of chase bank because chase is they were a really big backer of oil and they were looking at the numbers and basically saying that the climate is rapidly changing more than they even anticipated, and that we're way closer to not coming back from it. And we've already done a lot of irreparable damage to the planet. And they were just freaking out a lot. I mean, frightfully so. I freak out when scientists say that we should freak out. When scientists were scared about COVID, girl, I was scared, okay? Okay so i'm
0: scared now but what kills me like we should trust our scientists over everybody and people t- trust our politicians and this does go back to the gun reform control whatever you want to say issue like people listen to their favorite politicians who take money from big oil RA, whatever so that's like I hate to bring it back to that, but I'm like, hello, we've seen this before. Like, this is a reoccurring theme in America today. Nobody listens to scientists.
1: The people, the one people,
0: the one person, the one
1: group of people we should be listening to. Like, the only educated people who understand what's going on. Like, I don't know a lot of stuff, okay? When a scientist told me that something is bad and I should stay away from it and I should try really hard to not do this certain thing if I want to stay alive, I'm going to listen to them. Do you question your doctor when they tell you like, hey, maybe you shouldn't eat McDonald's fries every day. You're going to have... All <laughs> I wouldn't say, you don't know anything. Um, this guy on
0: YouTube said it was fine. Um, I'm going to listen to them. And 13,000 scientists for, and then these people, because they're, it seems very real, unreal, but there are people who are still very much denying climate change or saying that it's not man-made. And they'll be like, well, this one scientist said blah, blah, blah. And I've had somebody argue that with me before. And then I'd go online and look up that scientist and they had oil ties. So, like, trust the majority. Trust reason. Yeah. Don't listen to politicians. Use your freaking noggin. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I even have a quote here saying, this is a statement of science, not politics. Thousands of scientists, including James Hansen, the NASA scientist who put the problem on the public agenda in 1988. And David King and Hans Hans. Oh my French accent. I have uh, a knack. So hard being French. I have a knack for finding these hard names. Hans Shell <laughs> n Shell Hubber. Shell Hubber? Hmm. Former science advisors to the British and German governments, respectively, have said humanity faces a climate emergency. And why emergency? Because words matter. To preserve a livable planet, humanity must take action immediately. Failure to slash the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere will make the extraordinary heat, storms, and wildfires And ice melt of 2020 routine and could render a significant portion of the earth
0: uninhabitable, warned the January Scientific American article. My understanding of this 911 situation was we're already at the point of no return. It's going to get one to two degrees hotter, but it's really imperative that we stop it at that point because three to four degrees is where. Complete catastrophe. Like we could die out as a species, mm-hmm. but one to two, yeah, there's going to be a lot of flooding and probably some famine, but we can probably persevere as a species, which is still incredibly shitty and scary. But you think that th- that would be the threshold where people would start paying attention. But we still have girls, is and is doing Shein Hauls, which you know we've talked before about the consumer's responsibility versus corporate responsibility. Yeah. But when we do talk about Shein, I do want to put some responsibility on the consumer because Shein's business model depends on high volume and hauls because the costs are so low. They do have to sell a high volume. That's how they keep the cost so low that and taking labor shortcuts. So if people were just buying one to two things at a time from Shein, like they probably wouldn't be in business, um so there is a large consumer responsibility as to why this company is blowing up and becoming such a large polluter and speaking of pollution today fashion accounts for up to
1: 10% of the global carbon dioxide output more than international flights and shipping combined and that's according to the united nations environmental program it also accounts for a fifth of the 300 million tons of plastic produced globally each year. Ew. No. Can I just say something, too, that I heard? And I think that it's so wildly interesting. And I think it's something that you guys can ponder. I've been listening to um, a book by Sally Rooney on Audible. Hello, Audible. Sponsor us, please. Oh, my goodness. Please. <laughs> I love Audible so much. And I've been listening to um, I've been listening to Beautiful World, Where Are You by Sally Rooney. One of the characters was talking about how plastic is gross and how Mm. people used to wear such beautiful clothes
0: um, Mm.
1: that were like durable, made of wool, and um, they had to do like a lot of more like manipulation to it to make it look nice and fit the body more. But ever since plastic was invented. It like made everyone less creative and everything became like ugly and the colors weren't as vibrant. Everything kind of like weird and dull and fake and gross. And I was like, wow, that's so profound because like it's in everything. We're finding now that microplastics are in your food. You're in us, They're in our bloodstreams. I was going to say right now, you listening, me talking, Sandy talking, we all have plastic in us right now.
0: That is disgusting. It's like we took a shortcut. We we're like, oh, and I. Uh, there's a time and a place for plastic. It's not like, oh, never use it, but it's yeah. way overdone. So it's upsetting. Like, um, and I don't know about the correlation between plastic production and polyester, but when you said that 10 percent number, I had that on my notes too. A lot of that is due to new polyester, or a new yeah. polyester is also called like virgin polyester. Um. So making a year's worth of polyester makes like an estimated 700 million tons of carbon dioxide annually, and that can double by 2030 if we're on the same trajectory. So I feel like I don't want to get too statistic in this episode because we kind of already did that, but like yeah. that is all fast fashion. Like that is disgusting. It's because everything is made to stretch and just to get churned out and... Fit the most amount of bodies in the most mediocre way. And we're paying we're paying the price for like having this convenience and this cheap option and it's coming at the expense of our planet. It sucks. And it sucks that it's like our society, we shop to feel good. And when we have issues, we shop. So it's like people, and I know I've done this when I don't feel good about or if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, I'm gonna do some shopping. It's not that it's the end of the world, but when you're going to places like Shein and doing a whole haul to deal with your... Pro- it's like a cycle that continues because you're upset about your day or the state of the world or whatever. And like you keep consuming and the cycle keeps going. And I feel like, why can't we just break out of this? And it's just frustrating. It is. Um, so
1: give a little bit of... We've been talking about it, but I feel like we didn't like say exactly what's going on. Yeah. Shein is a Chinese online fast fashion retailer. Um it was founded in 2008 by Chris, I'm going to say Ju Xu, correct me if you want. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know how to say that. Punch me in the face if I'm wrong. In Ningjing, China. The company is known for affordably priced okay. apparel. In its early stages, Shein was considered more of a drop shipping business than a retailer, which is why people were talking about, oh, you might get it, you might not, might take a month, might take three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Currently, the company is not involved in clothing design and manufacturing, and instead obtains its products from wholesale clothing markets in a Guangzhou in yes. China. I was going to say um, in 2014, they acquired Romwe, another Chinese retailer, which I was going to say, I feel like, do we remember
0: Romwe? I remember I Romwe. used to go, that one was another one. I'd be like, is this a real company? It'd be like Boohoo, which I think Nasty Gal acquired. Boohoo, Romwe, and Shein were all kind of like those weird Chinese brands that you're like, are they going to steal my money? Is this going to show up at my house? Who knows?
1: Yeah. They were always in your sidebar in, on Tumblr. <laughs>
0: They were on Facebook a lot too.
1: Mm. I wasn't on Facebook because I um, just couldn't handle it. I'm still not on Facebook like that. I'm sorry to everyone. (laughs) Sidebar. I am sorry to everyone who tries to contact me on Facebook. I am not like on Facebook like that. And if you don't, (laughs) if you really want to talk to me, (laughs) text me, DM me on Instagram. That's literally it. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I also wanted to say if, so it kind of started as this we get these advertisement advertisements. We all kind of knew what Shein was, and it started creeping up. But recently during the pandemic is really when it started blowing up. Mm-hmm. I think because of how cheap it is, and it was a hard time. You're sitting at home, you're doing nothing, you're bored. Um, it is there's this kind of weird contrast where Gen Z are the biggest consumers and they are usually the most eco-conscious and like much more liberal than previous generations but the reason why they keep buying this is because it's so accessible and when you're young you don't know, and you don't have all the money to buy the clothes that you want like Shein comes in and basically makes it you can buy all the trends you want with your summer job money with your junk and donuts money with your waitressing money whatever like that, those are just jobs i had but um <laughs> you know what i mean like Things that you used to not be able to buy all of a sudden, like these girls can get them for going out clothes. So it's like so much more accessible, but they are the most mentioned brand on TikTok. They have the yes. most downloaded app of all time at 17.5 million downloads. They now represent almost a third of the fast fashion market in the US alone at total.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. They're literally like the TikTok of like fashion brands A brand period. They're actually growing faster than Amazon.
0: I read that. I saw some weird. I can't recall it specifically, but some weird video that they were getting like bigger than Amazon, which I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That That's, is, I can't even comprehend nope. that. Nope, nope, no, no, I no, down. No, no, down no, no. now.
1: So their sales actually defied the odds during COVID. The pandemic had taken such a harsh toll on so many other fashion retailers and brands. Neiman Marcus, there's a, a my local mall, no longer has a Neiman Marcus. Um, J.C. Jay Crew, Brooks Brothers, a ton of them have filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, and um, others like Under Armour have seen a significant decrease in revenues um she though has skyrocketed and like you said it's like gen z they're all home their jobs aren't closed because who cares if it's a pandemic like you know so gotta go Dunkin' donuts Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but they're working they're like at home they don't have anything to do the tops are like five dollars like why wouldn't you buy that you know what i mean if you're like 15 16 17 like Hell yeah. Yeah, Shein, as observed from Measurable AI's transactional email receipt panel, saw their sales skyrocket from 2Q20 onwards when COVID became widespread and stay-at-home orders were enacted in mid-March, and they've been soaring ever since.
0: Sorry, I thought I was going (laughs) to sneeze. So... I'm sure you have notes about this too, but I kind of wanted to like, oh my god, so sorry. It keeps sniffling. Please don't okay. hate me forever. Oh my god. <laughs> um the they, This is mind-blowing from a design perspective. Okay, if you guys are listening and you have even ever sewed anything, even if it was like a pillow in a home at class, just think about the time that it took to cut out and sew that fabric. And now think about when you're putting something around the human body. Like, think about the time that it takes to make that. Okay. This company releases between 700 and 1,000 new items a day, and they try to justify it by, oh, only each product is produced in small numbers. We only make each product between 50 and 100 pieces, and they try to claim that that minimizes the raw materials that are used. But when any product becomes popular, it's produced at a mass scale, and there is a lot of waste. And even if you are producing on that quote unquote small scale, that is still at least thirty five items being produced every day, and at the worst hundred thousand that is astronomical obscene and what really like put me over the top of realizing how a messed up but b like I don't even know how they do this. There are usually three days between the actual design and the upload on the website. And for other like fast fashion brands, it's usually a month to make some to take something from the conception to putting it on the website in three days. What? How? How? That is not okay. And if you think about it, that's really how they get so popular.
1: Because imagine, then people like really like some things the Kardashians are wearing at Kourtney Kardashian's wedding. And people talk about this like one thing. I guarantee you, the wedding happened like a a day or two ago. By like this weekend, you're going to see girls going, Oh my gosh, you can buy Kourtney's dress, a dupe of Kourtney's dress on Shein. Like it only makes sense. Probably by Friday.
0: Probably. When this episode is dropping, you can probably find a (laughs) knockoff
1: probably like it's it's kind of creepy how like they're doing it that way because it's like it's like they are fueling it so much because they're literally just like scouring the internet for anything they can find find whatever people have like made even a small fuss about and then have it by the time that you're even really considering buying it and then the cycle continues
0: yeah. So we talked about the business model a little bit, but that segues in perfectly. Like, this whole business model is set up on the basis of extreme demand. So there always has to be something new that the consumer wants to buy. And it also is something that has to be cycled out so that they keep wanting to buy new stuff. So um this business model is literally built on the fear of outfit repetition syndrome with the pieces that are likely just gonna end up in a landfill in a few months. But you have these people who are, you know, super involved in Instagram and TikTok and like up on the micro trends, and these are the people who are fueling this business. Right. Like.
1: I feel like we've all been there where we're thinking and we've been told, I think, growing up that repeating outfits is such a bad thing to do when you don't want to be an outfit repeater. But first of all, people with money know the value of that money and know that this is a good dress. It's been there for me on my fat days. It's been there for me when I was skinny. I am going to wear this dress, goddammit, because it makes me feel good. It's a good wrap dress. There is no reason to be fearful of being an outfit repeater. No. Um, and like, I'm saying this for everyone's, uh, everyone's sake and state of mind. Cause I feel like we all get that way sometimes too. Like, oh, they've seen the outfit before. And I even have to talk myself out of it when I go into work, but it's not bad to repeat your outfits. You should repeat your outfits. You should be buying Good quality clothes, and maybe instead of buying these trendy things, buy some things that you can wear in a thousand different ways.
0: Buy yourself a need. I mean, I love trends. We talked about this too. We talked about trend cycles and how that feels the environment. Yeah. So I'm repeating myself a little bit from a year ago, but it, I, I love trends. You love trends, but I try to buy things that I will still wear it even after it's quote unquote trendy. Like, I have a ton of micro bags that I still think are really cute, small things are cute. like. I'm I'm really trying not to buy something. If in six months, I'm going to be like, eh, and it's going to sit in the back of my closet. So it's not, I'm not saying don't buy any trends, but don't do this micro cycle bullshit to take an Instagram picture and then throw it away in a few weeks. It's crazy. Oh my God. I sneezed like three times while Ashley was talking last guys. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. And then the thing that a lot of people don't think about And I feel like you think about this a lot when you're in fashion design, is that in order to produce these clothes at this cost, costs have to be cut across the board, and it is always at the expense of the laborer. Shein, the reason why they are so sinister, in my opinion, is because they sneakily cover up. Everything you go on their website, they have a social respons- responsibility page. It has phrases like fair labor, never engage in child or forced labor. It says that they're becoming uh, climate friendly. They have a TikTok campaign called Shein Cares. The hashtag has billions of views. They have all these really vague phrases like, We're gonna help people who are affected by the climate and we're going to help women and we're um you know we do things small we're going to use materials with little impact it is all over the place with no specifics at all it is like they hired a 15 year old to be like can you just like make up some stuff that sounds good on our website and they're like do 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 typing away things that don't make any sense there are no actual facts about how they're doing any of this. And basically when they're called on their shit and ask questions about their supply chain, they're like, oh we don't know. We have to look into it. Um you actually you said what's it called is it called Guangzhou? Is yeah. that yeah Guangzhou I think. Oh oh yeah yeah that sounds redder. So <laughs> There was this group, Swiss advocacy group called Public Eye, mm-hmm. and there were six sites in Guangzhou that were found to be working 75-hour weeks. Um, there was enormous pressure on the staff to turn the clothes on quickly. They, This group visited 17 factories that were supplying Shein and the parent company um, near the Shein headquarters, and... Uh, Yeah. So when they did this investigation and actually visited the factories, there was a lot of factories with very small size, buildings not up to code, high risk of fires. We talked about that. There are a lot of disasters, building collapses, fires in these types of buildings, no contracts. Um, No paid overtime, only one day off a month. Xi'an has so many contractors who contract out to their contractors, who contract out to their contractors. They're, quote unquote, unable to trace all the production lines. So the subcontracting takes place in the lowest wage regions of China. So they basically claim like, oh, I don't know. We're going to look into it. We're going to do better. They know what they're doing. They just know they can get away with it this way. And uh, if they're removed by so many degrees, it's going to be hard and, like, yeah, secretive for people to trace it. Yeah. So uh, you said 75-hour work weeks? with So 11 to 12 hours per day, which, like, you, you can have people in America being like, I like 80 hours a week. Nah, nah, nah. But when you're in a factory and it's hot and it's physical labor, and in a lot of these provinces, there are labor laws. Um, and in this specific province, actually they violate local labor laws there is a maximum working day of eight hours and a 40-hour work week so it's directly violating labor laws
1: yeah i mean first of all no one should have to work that much so even if you're like oh i work 80 hours a week you're being exploited too boo join the struggle party um but that's like not enough time to and especially in those places like they're not living close by you're not like commuting and getting in your car and driving for an hour. You're probably don't own a car. You're probably like getting on like public transportation, traveling like hours to go work and then you work there all day and come home in the night, sleep for like twenty minutes and go back like that is not in any way shape or form sustainable or helpful or ethical at all.
0: No, and they're not getting paid well per so these people are usually getting paid for piece, which is of clothing, which is also. A little shady, and I think violates some labor laws. It depends on where you are, like I said, but it's like these people aren't getting paid a minimum wage like you'd be paying in America. And I know that seems so obvious, but if you think about it, if you're working 80 hours a week, you should be taking home a pretty fat paycheck. They're making, I don't know, maybe a thousand euros a month. I don't know how many dollars that is. That was one of the estimations that I saw. Like that is unreal and disgusting. Another thing she does that is so shady and weird on their website they boast about how they're certified by the iso organization which stands for international organization for standardization they don't issue certificates they only state standards so she is like we have this certificate and this certificate actually doesn't exist and there's no evidence or proof that they respect any international labor or, uh, labor laws their score on the fashion transparency index is a zero out of 20. Got
1: them in a lie. That's <laughs> actually so insane that they are like flouting this thing around because they're honestly, I think that's part of their whole business model is just like, well, if I say this, basically, who's going to check me, boo? If I'm just going to bank on the fact that people are just going to listen to what I have to say and not go in and dig too deep because it becomes too difficult to dig, like just like Subcontracting and finding other places to put things. And if you've ever worked with vendors, I do now. Like sometimes it gets kind of shady and weird, especially when you're not there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can just step into these factories and right. see for yourself what it looks like. And it is very difficult to research. That was really the only. There's one article that I'm going to share on our social media page that has some more specifics and some more firsthand experiences, but it's really difficult to trace where the clothes are actually made, which is so problematic. Um, It's just a chain of people getting the cheapest to the cheapest, to the cheapest, to the very, very bottom of the lowest labor that you can get. And that does make you have to wonder if there is child labor or slavery involved. Right. So there are rumors that there is child labor involved.
1: And thus far, there's no like concrete evidence. But we've in our previous episode, we did talk our previous sustainability episode, we did talk about the fact that there are a lot of children um, involved in the garment manufacturing um, stages, in the supply chain. And um, it's even As far back as who gets the fibers, like who is picking cotton, who is finding the materials for these things, it's very hard to trace. It's almost like getting an ethical diamond, very hard to trace. You just have to kind of believe what your manufacturer is saying, but even they don't really know where things are coming from entirely. So honestly, allegedly, there's a good chance that there are children involved in this supply chain i don't see why they wouldn't be if in other companies like um like asos and places like that like they're for sure involved yeah. without them knowing there is no reason why Shein would be i mean i would bet money cheaper stuff
0: i would bet money that there's at least children that involved at the textile level because we know and that's another thing you don't even think about where the textiles are sourced but that's a whole nother contract situation where that's contracted out So, and we talked about how children's hands are used for picking cotton. Um, It's just this really complicated web and it can feel really discouraging because basically everything is fast fashion, Walmart, Target, most of Amazon, Zara, H&M, pretty much anything at the mall. It's all fast fashion. Some of it's better than others. Um, but I think it is really important to say no to the worst of the worst. Like without Halls, Shein would not be able to exist without the girls going and buying a thousand dollars of Shein clothes and then showing off their brand new wardrobe on Instagram the next day. Like it just it wouldn't be a thing.
1: I've seen tons of videos on my TikTok, on my for you page of girls who have like like um, pointing their cameras out of their window, watching the mailman unload this human-sized box full mm. of crap from Sheehan. Like, you know that they're going to do this again in the next, like, two, three months. And they're like, oh, there it is. There's a $2,000 haul from Sheehan. And then they lay them on the ground, and each individual clothing piece comes in a plastic bag, as if it needed to be in that. Like, with and not just like a regular wrap plastic bag, it's like a nice printed plastic bag that has little zipper locks with like a little piece on top. So, more plastic mm-hmm. like it's a
0: shit ton of plastic.
1: It is so much plastic. It's humanly impossible for you to have bought an entire wardrobe for two thousand dollars and those clothes to be in any way, shape, or form decently made. And B, to be made in any sort of sustainable, ethical way, those fibers are probably trash and they're probably going to rip on you and you're not going to be able to keep that for a very long time unless you're very careful.
0: Even and- if they're not, like, sorry, I don't to interrupt you, but even if they're not, like you say, even if they are uh, fine fibers, it still feels really gross to wear something that somebody got paid like a cent to make it. It's not right. Right. My
1: last thing was like, And if any of that doesn't bother you, it should bother you that there are probably people's moms, people's like kids making those things to make like ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month. Um, And while I feel like a lot of people like to use this kind of cloak, saying like, "Well, at least they have a job, and um, at least like they're making some money." Like, you don't know. Maybe that's a lot of money for them. It's not okay. It's not. You know, it's not. And it's really gross to try to um, justify it that way. It's not. Don't mm-hmm. lie to yourself. I mean, lie to yourself. Don't lie to us.
0: <laughs> um, Yeah, I feel like so we're talking about how to make change. I really feel like such a big I keep repeating this, but like my bottom line is like stop doing hauls. Yeah. Like stop buying stuff to show it off or because like, and I've been, I'm not saying this from a judgmental perspective. I love getting a big package in the mail more than anybody else. It gives me a thrill. Like I love opening a package. So I myself have had to work on buying, like when I buy something, I have to say, am I really going to wear this many times? Is it something I love? Am I just buying this because it's cheap? Am I just buying this because it makes me feel good? You really have to do some introspection because it's almost impossible to not participate in fast fashion at all. But like you have to pick and choose where you're going to participate and to just like ignore it and say, I'm going to buy $2,000 from Shein. You're such a big part of the problem.
1: Right. Like we're saying, but it's not people who shop there because like they're low income. That is entirely yes. separate. We've all been there.
0: I've been there, girl. I'm still there. Like, yeah, no, I, like, I buy <laughs> lots of fast, fast, fast fashion on sale. Like, I will admit it; it's my budget right now. It is what it is.
1: Right, like it is an incredible privilege to be able to go to like um, Reformation, or yes. I mean, Everlane isn't really that sustainable, but they market themselves as so. Or, you know what I mean? Or like, to buy at those, like, more reputable, really nice, great quality places that have sustainable fashion, it is such a privilege to be able to buy $200 jeans. Like, mm-hmm. and then also on top of just, like, a financial privilege, you mentioned earlier, if you're plus size, there are basically no options for you. Like, even if you're, like, just, like, a mid-size, there's not a lot of options for you. Like, oh. I like reformation which I shop on their life final sale, you can't return (laughs) it. I take a chance every time I shop from there. And there's not a lot of options for me there. So I mean, like that's not worth saying. We're not saying that if you have to shop there, that you're a bad person. Absolutely not. And at the end of the day, it is on the companies to make a change Mm -hmm. and to want to be better. It's not you, but we're saying that it's the people who do gigantic hauls and do that all the time and use that for content and all this crazy stuff like why don't you just show how you can wear those outfits in a bunch of different ways instead of buying a new outfit for every for every video and also people who make content telling you that what micro trends are out and what you should throw away those actually Mm -hmm. get you so much more like oh the frayed jeans like you shouldn't wear them anymore they were hot of uh, like 10 days ago they're still nice now by the way everyone's still wearing fr- frayed edge jeans or fringe jeans these don't listen guys don't listen to those people who say things like that who have like no idea what's going on like they're just girls who have instagram feeds you know who else has an instagram feed me and sandy and you and everyone
0: else like yes don't listen to those people okay You (laughs) I just want to say you and I joke around. We'll say like, oh, this looks really 2016 or like we'll talk about trends being out, but that doesn't mean like throw it away or don't wear it if you love it. It doesn't mean you have to throw it away. Um, You can donate it. You can thrift it. And trend cycles are moving so quickly. It's likely to come back in. Like I have a few things, some short booties. I have some suede boots. I'm like, this is going to be back in style in two years. Like I'm just keeping it. So There's always going to be trends. There's always going to be fast fashion. But I guess where the point of this episode and the climate emergency is like, if you don't draw the line at Shein, where do you draw the line?
1: You can be more mindful about how you shop. Like, you know, even if you don't have a ton of money and you can't shop at like those nicer places, you can even consider buying secondhand before. Or even if you feel you have to, you can definitely just take really good care of those things and we're encouraging everyone not to overconsume. Like yes. we've said, like we're guilty of it. Everyone's been guilty of it sometimes. But like the biggest thing you can do is not to overconsume. So if you feel like you have to shop there because you have no other options, we totally understand and support you. Um, but maybe only buy things that you feel like you can wear for a long time, and that you won't have to throw away.
0: Yeah, and the last thing I want to say is. One of the things that's really changed my perspective my perspective on all of fashion is actually learning how to sew. I'm still not very good at it, but I can get by and I you know it does take a lot of time to learn and time is a privilege, so I completely understand if not everybody has the time. But like even if you if you're at the slightest bit interested in sewing at all, like and you just buy an easy simplicity pattern and try to sew it, that can really give you an A small slice of an understanding of what goes into making a garment and breaking with the pattern will teach you what goes into designing it. And that has really opened my eyes to think like, wow, I want to make my own clothes when possible. I got a a really cute princess line puff sleeve top recently from a fast fashion brand And I just put it on and I, the princess seams were all wonky. And I was like, I could have made this better than this. And that's usually not the case. Like you, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a great sewer, but when you learn the basics, you can kind of like, you can kind of figure out when you can make something and choose to step away from fast fashion. Yeah. And not even like just like you can
1: make things or you can even just like go thrifting and upcycle things. It's a fun project. And like, like you said, it is time and that is a privilege, but if you have the time, you know, at summertime, a lot of people have like summer hours from their jobs. It might be worth it for you to kind of figure out how to do some things on your own and not have to rely on these brands. Because can I tell you guys something that I'm actually so proud of is that during the pandemic, when everything was closed and I had nothing and we were all stuck in the house I felt really proud of myself that I knew how to do everything that I wanted Mm -hmm. like my nails my hair my clothes yes I could still do all of it thank you I could still (laughs) do all of it because like it was important to me to be able to handle myself exactly the way that I want like a lot of that just came out of me being a control freak but, <laughs> but it did come in handy when I was like, well, I want to do my nails and I want it to be like nice and look nice and I wanna do my hair and I wanna like modify my clothes and I wanna make stuff and I wanna have all this stuff and I don't have any money and I can't go anywhere. So that's what I've got to do. Um it can be really fulfilling to, you know, upcycle and kind of take some control over the things that you have and to make them unique. No one else is gonna have what you have if you um do it on your own.
0: Yeah. And even um, if you don't want to get into huge sewing projects, just learning how to mend clothes or hem things or put on buttons. It's actually pretty easy. It's daunting at first, but once you do it, it's really easy. And I just think, I don't know, there's something about sewing a top and a skirt for the first time. And you really slow down and realize you think more about the fit on the body. And like these fast fashion clothes don't even fit us. And that's a whole other conversation. And we can talk, I'd love to do an episode on industry sizing um, and body proportions and the toxicity of it. But long story short, there is just a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into it. And there are a lot of ways you can take a step back.
1: Right. And we encourage you to take that step back and um, yeah, try to overconsume less with us. We're both trying harder to not do that every day it's a struggle but that is the hill that we die on
0: well I want to make um we are going to do some fun sewing projects this summer together and I mean probably not for a little bit because I'm moving soon and I packed away a lot of my sewing stuff but I do want to make for my creative fashion final I made like a tank top with it was kind of like color black, but it was lime green on top, and there was purple band on the bottom. And me and Ashley were like, Oh, we need to make these matching in our size. I still want to do that. Yeah. And I got um, Fridays at one. Now I'm out, girl. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So, like, we will do some sewing projects it's and make some of our own stuff. And maybe we, if we can share how it comes out when we get around to it one of these days.
1: Yes. I was saying, Sorry, my nose is like so itchy because I have a tiny infection.
0: Out oh, from your piercing? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my nose is itchy. Um, at least you're not like sniffling into the microphone every two seconds.
1: <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for listening to us um, rant and rave about the climate. The world's not going to end anytime right now.
0: But um, you can try your best to help <laughs> slow that down. Um. Yeah. We are just all out here doing our best. And it's important to take a step back and reassess what our best actually is every yes. once in a while. Ask yourself, are you doing your best to do your part? And yeah. yeah. And sorry, we don't have an I the drama this week, but I don't think we could handle it because there was a lot of drama.
1: <laughs> I know um, the I the drama this week was um, all the terrible, awful, horrendous things that happened that have happened. Within the last couple of weeks, um, your assignment from us, your homework from us to you is to call your legislators, tell them how, um, unhappy you are with the job they're doing and, um, uh, blow their phone up.
0: Oh, but and not, also not literally because, oh my oh God, nice. I keep seeing these TikToks of people getting arrested for saying, I'm going to blow the bathroom up. And they like, they don't mean literally. So I just just like, I think for legal reasons, I have to say, we're not literally saying blow a phone up. We're saying call them very frequently. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. Um, (laughs) uh, Annoy the shit out of them. Tell them how shitty of a job you think they're doing. Um, And also, if you are writing emails, totally wonderful. Love that. Don't use email templates. They throw them out when you use an email template.
0: and tip. I just broke a nail trying to blow my nose. Oh my god! Oh, uh, oh uh, it's time to go. It's time to go. Um, Austin is making us movie popcorn, and I'm really excited. He we found this website of like how to actually make movie popcorn, and it's coconut oil, right? Butter flavored coconut oil and this really fancy salt, and it comes in a kit, and I'm really excited. We've been we we got like a little popcorn maker but um we
1: have like the cheddar cheese seasoning but i want to get the movie popcorn one because like i'm a popcorn fiend it's my favorite uh, selfie
0: snack me too me too I, movie popcorn death row meal like so good i will literally eat a whole tub of like movie popcorn by myself i hate a I i ate a whole large tub by myself when i was six years old i want to say my sister was horrified she took me to the movies and was like that should not fit inside your little
1: body oh my god i okay wait the grocery store um nearby they sell these gigantic bags for five dollars of like movie popcorn
0: market basket
1: no um star market oh it is five dollars and it is literally that big And I eat it all by myself. It takes me a few days. But I eat it all. It's like my snack. And like it's like when you start eating, you just can't stop. I know. I know. Why would you, you want to stop? Every time you feel like you want to shop on Shein, buy yourself a bag of movie popcorn instead. I love that. You won't be able to fit in any of the Shein clothes. It'll stop you from <laughs> buying it.
0: Uh, I'm really upset about my nail because I don't have any more base and I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. And I don't know if I can do my nails before an event I have to go to on Friday. And now I'm spiraling. Ooh, what are you doing on Friday? I am going to, um, in my hometown, an event that's called Opening of the Bay. And it's like when they put all the boats in the water for the summer. And then there's this, you pay um, for a ticket for a nonprofit donation and there's an open bar.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. sounds fun yeah i want to get tattooed friday you know what i kind of want like a little book i feel like i'm trying like i told you before i'm trying to like refocus like my life a little bit and i want yes. to um i want to kind of live my life kind of based on like my cycle and like you know, be a little bit more holistic about things. So I was like, "Oh, it's like a new chapter." Like I got this one with that same kind of mindset. Ooh! <laughs> so I thought I'd get like a little book and like, like a tiny one, like a um, yeah. Have a little book and have like a page turning and maybe a couple of flowers coming out
0: of it. That sounds really cute. Well, next week I will be curious to see if you have a new cat. Well. Thank you guys for listening. We are ready to rage. Email us at ready, ready to rage podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram. Tell us your feelings. Tell us if you're the drama. Tell us if you have any tips on resources for any current events. And bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ready to Rage. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at ReadyToRagePodcast. Send us an email with your thoughts on the episode. Anything you'd like us to include in the future at ReadyToRagePodcast at gmail.com. You can also donate on Patreon at ReadyToRage. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Rage.